Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. The next hour is devoted to learning something more, not just about the world of shoes and ships and sealing wax, but about how, what, and why we believe as we do. A time for the open-minded, willing to challenge some of those old ideas behind what we think we know, who we are, and who we might just become. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. All right, our chat room is open, and my partner, Ravinder, awaits you there now if you happen to be, you know, listening to this on the Internet. And we get lots of feedback from around the world, so... We know a large part of our audience is indeed on the Internet. You can log on by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. We do have a great chat room, so Ravinder, tell us all about it, please. Yes, we have a lovely chat room, and we'd love to see you there as long as you can get on the Internet without getting in trouble with your boss or anything like that. Um, so do come join us, you know, for a great conversation. That's um, provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Okay, now, Ravinder... <clears throat> For our On the Dial listeners, the chat room remains up for four weeks following the show. So the videos that we show, the conversations that go on, sometimes our guest actually joins in the mm -hmm. chat room, um, the earls that get posted and so forth, they're there. If you happen to be driving in your automobile, you hear the show, and you're really interested in following something up, you can go to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Yeah, we pro uh, post all the extra information up there and the URLs that get mentioned on on the air. You know, it's really hard for someone to take down sometimes, especially when they're driving. But no, we will have all of that up there in the chat room. Great. Excellent. Okay. Today's spotlight is all about hurting the herd. I learned this week that Facebook admitted that it will use data gathered when you use the new emojis to alter your news feed and learn more about what you like. The article, which appeared in the Minds Journal, adds this, quote, Though Facebook often disputes suspicions it updates, our psychosocial experiments, the platform's notorious 2014 study published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences proved users can't be confident they aren't doing so. Facebook users became unwitting social media lab rats when data scientists manipulated the news feeds of some 700,000 people to study emotional contagion. The newest emojis in that context might immediately stoke suspicion Facebook is up to the same tiresome, creepy tricks. If Facebook's goal is to change your behavior, they need to know your psychological response to photos and videos the same way the tobacco industry needs to track changes in people's brain chemistry when choosing additives in cigarettes. For Facebook to compete with Snapshot, Snapchat and Twitter, it needs to water their algorithms with something better and your emotions are their superfood. Close quote. Now I posted this article on my Facebook page and I must admit to being taken back by a comment that suggested it didn't matter. In other words, so what? Everybody does this. You know, if you get on the Internet and you decide you're going to search for something, well, you're going to get inundated with all kinds of offers to buy that something from all sorts of places. 
That's kind of convenient, right? Well, think about it for a moment. Does your opinion matter? Do you care about your privacy? Are you willing to allow others to shape your beliefs? I wrote about all of this in Gotcha, where I shared a bit of information that I'll paraphrase here, and that originally I read in the marvelous book Lexicon by Max Berry. Think about it this way. The key to the web is it's interacting. That's the difference. Online, someone visits your site. You can have a little poll there. It says, hey, what do you think about tax cuts? And people click and segment themselves. That's first advantage right there. You're not just proselytizing, speaking into the void. You're getting data back. But here's the really clever part. Your site isn't static. It's dynamically generated. And I'll tell you what that means. It means it looks different to different people. Let's say you chose the poll option that said you're in favor of tax cuts. Well, there's a cookie on your machine now, and when you look at the site again, the articles are all about how the government is wasting your money. The site is dynamically selecting content based on what you want. And I mean, not always just what you want, but what will upset you? What will engage your intention and reinforce your beliefs, make you trust the site more? And if you said you were against tax cuts... We'll show you stories of Republicans blocking social programs or whatever. It works every which way. Your site is made of mirrors reflecting everyone's thoughts back at them. And you haven't even begun to start with things like keywords. This is just the beginning. Third major advantage, people who use a site like this tend to ramp up their dependence on it. Suddenly, all those other news sources, the ones that aren't framing every story, in terms of the user's core beliefs. They start to seem confusing and strange. They start to seem even biased, actually, which is kind of funny. So now you've got a user who not only trusts you, you're his major source of information on what's happening in the world. Boom, you own the guy. You can tell him whatever you like and no one's contradicting you. Don't you just love our new big brother technology? And the best part, well, the best part is we all agree to this when we use the technology. Your thoughts on this, Ravinder? I think that's a great quote. That's an excellent book for anyone who wants to read it, Lexicon by Max Berry. But that particular quote really does sum it all up. Um, They use this stuff to get us to agree with other ideas because our biology has us wanting to uh, to be part of the group. We all want to be loved, um, respected, so we end up putting up comments that we think will get positive feedback back as well. And the cycle just goes on and on. So no, it is really important to pay attention to this stuff. And it's also really important to vary the places that you go to to find your news and information because if you just go to your favorites, I can guarantee you 100% you will not get, you will not, well, you won't have the ability to discern the truth out of what's in there. All the more reason to read Gotcha. Okay, every week I read some of your letters as our way of involving you while paying respect to the very important role you play in making this show successful. Last week our show featured Robert and Susan Mays, and we discussed the causation of near-death experiences. Jerome wrote, I think, your defini- I think their definition of the NDE is absurd. 
Not only is it so broad as to include any experience, including those while sitting behind your desk, as you so aptly pointed out, but it encourages the fraudulent use of this experience by those who need some sort of authority by which their words are supposed to have merit. What's to stop someone from saying whatever they want to say and claim that they learned this during their NDE, and they didn't even have to come close to death or some other traumatic experience to have it? That's a very valid observation, Jerome. It also tends to minimize the criticism that might be leveled at someone who claims to have had a genuine near-death experience when their physicians state otherwise. I'm thinking of one particular popular person whose reports are directly contradicted by his own physician. Your thoughts on this, Rav? Oh, I find the whole issue, I mean, the whole interview last week, uh, it pushed me a little bit. Because when you change the definitions of uh, an NDE and say it can include non-death NDEs, it, it well, kind of messes... NDE for near-death and NDE for non-death. I know. It kind of messes it around. That's not to say there isn't a great deal of value to come from spiritual experiences, but I think we all tend to give information that comes through an NDE additional... Um, Credibility. Im- ...importance, yeah, uh, just because it could possibly be from a higher authority of some kind or another. So now if anyone's able to um, access this information just by imagining it, I don't know, it it pushed me. You know, there there is a lot to be said for a spiritual experience um, that comes from meditation because it does help you to relax and it does help you to get in tune with yourself. So all of those things are of value. But NDEs are in their own category. Would, I think you, it does. If you had the experience, you know, uh, meditating, wouldn't you say during a meditation as opposed to during an NDE? That would be the honest thing to do because right. the fact is you can conflate information. All right, CB wrote. So can one read this study and fake it? I wonder because I hear so many Hay House authors and others and guests that seem to have an NDE as a resume point for why they can be taken seriously in what they are saying. just seems more and more like a marketing thing. Maybe I'm just too cynical here. Well, I don't know if you are or you're not CB, but I tend to... I'll join you on that, I'm, I'm afraid. I, a near death is a near death, exactly that. You know, the brain flat lines, da-da-da... Oh, you know, I'm going to stay with a traditional classic definition. HR wrote, fact is, there are those who have a traditional NDE, and it does not change their life for the better. OV remarked, my take on negative NDE, somehow the experience is linked to beliefs, so positive negative is linked to the person's understanding, beliefs, etc. In a way, like the movie Contact, where the Jodie Foster's beach experience has been done for her, so that she will feel comfortable. Moving on, Sherry wrote, Hi, Eldon, I just wanted to let you know that I ordered the InnerTalk Maximum Weight Loss Collection and have been using it faithfully for the past one and a half months. And guess what? I've lost 11 pounds thus far and feel absolutely wonderful. It really does work if you follow the instructions and don't waver. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Well, congratulations, Sherry. We're thrilled for you. We like that, don't we? I do. That's my favorite kind of story. And Charlie wrote, I really enjoy your work in InterTalk CDs. Thank you. 
All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters today, but I do invite you to opine by sending your comments to Eldon, that's E-L-D-O-N, at eldontaylor.com, or by joining me on Facebook. And I want to thank all of you for your letters and comments. We truly do appreciate your feedback and support. Now to this week's show, Examining Reverse Speech with David Oakes. So let me tell you a little about today's guest. David has spent the last 32 years of his life researching the field of reverse speech as his full-time occupation. His basic premise is that language is bi-level, forwards and backwards simultaneously, and that embedded backwards in the sounds of speech can be heard another form of communication, the voice of the unconscious mind. David has published several books on reverse speech, including Beyond Backward Masking, Voices from the Unconscious, It's Only a Metaphor, and his latest, A New Theory About Language. Overcoming his speech stutter, he has lectured around the world and trained hundreds of students. He has also instigated some of the first mainstream studies and presented reverse speech on more than a thousand radio shows. I've known David for nearly 30 years, and his work is remarkable, so on that, let's get him in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. David Oates. Hey, thank you very much, Eldon. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Well, it's our pleasure. In fact, it's a bit of a role reversal, because last week, yeah, it was on your show. Let's start here, David. What is reverse speech? Well, very simply, um, reverse speech is another form of human communication. As the brain is constructing the sounds of speech, it's putting those sounds together in such a way that we're saying two things at once, one forwards and one backwards. And reverse speech is the name given to this secondary form of, or this covert is a better word, this covert form of human communication. And uh, quite literally what I do is I record speech and run the speech backwards. And... When you run tapes backwards, about once every or 20 or 30 seconds, you'll hear this very clear phrase amongst the gibberish that is what is happening on the conscious as well as the unconscious level. So it's another form of unconscious communication. Right. You and I have discussed this, but, you know, years ago, I know from my own personal experience, I was conducting a lie detection exam. Well, I was following a lie detection examination. I was reviewing the... Uh, audio recording and the subject was deceptive according to the charts and when I reversed uh, manually turning on a, a, a 15 sixteenths ips ooh hair when I reversed his answer which was a simple no the relevant question yep. what I heard very clearly was the word liar yeah. tell us how yeah. that happens Oh, you know what, I've, I've had, in the interviews I've done over the years, I've had many people, TV technicians and audio technicians, telling me they've been queuing tapes up in the studio, and they've also heard these words backwards, when they've been running backwards, but they haven't really thought much about it, you know, and uh, um, I guess it took someone like me to uh, try and unravel all of this. How it's happening, um, I believe it's happening in the right brain hemisphere. Um, I believe that just... Prior to us speaking, a split second beforehand, the brain is rapidly altering the way we say the words so that a second message is also communicated. It's very complex mental processes that, that create it. So, um, um, but then when you're thinking about the amazing computing power of the brain, of course, it's not too much of a stretch to, uh, to understand how the brain could do that. 
All right, now correct me if I say something that isn't right, but I've I've always tried to uh, explain this because, as you know, we we patented a technology that employs a simultaneous delivery of forward and reverse speech um, right. that's channel differentiated. And and I've always explained it this way. You know, we uh, our left brain for the typical right-hander is subject to the rules of language. It's linear. It's right. logical. Um, right. It 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 calculates what we're going to say. Where our right brain, for all intent and purposes, and based on all of the EEG or, for that matter now, fMRI research, indicates this is the area of our unconscious. This is, we get unconscious activity takes place in the so-called right hemisphere, okay? Right. The right hemisphere is not so subject to that. It's more involved with the spatial. And I don't think the right hemisphere knows how to lie. So I, I think what happens is as we're articulating, what we say in a linear sense is different than how we might say it. And it's the how we might say it that creates the reversal. That's how right. I've thought about it. Is that close? That's absolutely correct. But um, two people could say exactly the same sentence, and you get one reversal on one sentence and a completely different reversal on the other sentence because they've said the same phrase differently. And as I tell my students, it's the sounds of speech that's creating the reversals, not necessarily the words themselves. So it's right. how we say the phrase. And, you know, for that reason, I can find uh, backward phrases in mumbles and stutters and stammers and uh, all the little idiosyncrasies of speech that we often take for granted. Many times there's actual reverse messages embedded in those little in, you know, idiosyncrasies. Right. Okay, now I, I want to pursue this a little bit further because in my theory, and, and you know, you correct me again, yeah. I see that when you study the nature of speech development, what uh -huh. you have is a is a a stage that we see in you know young children where they're they're no longer goo goo gaga. They're looking you straight in the eye. Um, uh -huh. They're they're speaking to you as though what they're saying is very meaningful, but to us it's pure gibberish. It's, it's uh -huh. as though they're learning to speak first through the right hemisphere, and that's being, it, it, later it becomes mirrored in the left hemisphere, and we begin to get speech. In fact, some of the early reversals that children have, the way they write threes and, and fives, tend, I think, to support this. But when you record these young children and play their statements back, what do you find, David? Yeah, well, that, that comes on to point three of my theory of reverse speech, and uh, I maintain that language development begins backwards before it does forwards. I'm right. hearing young children from as young as, as young as four months of age starting to pronounce just very simple, single words uh, backwards. Yeah, why don't I play you an example? This is... Um, if you've got one, too, please. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, um, this is my daughter... At 12 months of age, and she's playing in a bathtub, and she's trying to pick up a cup. She can't pick it up, and she reaches out to me for help. So let's play this forward. What? 
like normal baby sounds, you know, goo goo ga ga, and right. you run it in reverse, and you hear her say, "David, help me," which is obviously my name, David. And so here we go. <laughs> Did you hear that there? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I did, I did. Now, in fact, you know, you're kind of preaching to the choir, as you know, because I've supported your work for a very long time, and I've had my own my own opportunities to make recordings, and I've given many presentations where the audience has just been flabbergasted when I've played some of the child recordings that you have on your website. What is that website, David? Uh, that is reversespeech.com, all in one word, R-E-V-E-R-S-E, speech, S-P-E-E-C-H. And if you're listening to this show and you want to have some fun, you definitely want to go to reversespeech.com, listen to some of them, and then if you've got a small child, begin to record their conversations. Yes. Now, before we get to the break, I want to pick up something else here. There are skeptics that would say to you, you know, that doesn't fit Chomsky's model of how we learn language. This is just all nonsense. Um, You know, this is glossolalia. And, uh, you know, the fact that people are hearing these things, uh, you know, we can do this. We can suggest that you hear this. They've actually run studies where they do that. And... uh, you know, my answer has always been, look, all I can say is take a look at the double-blind studies that we've run on this technology or that have been run by leading researchers at leading institutions on their own. And, of course, that sends them away. But in your application, what do you say to these skeptics? Well, <laughs> well actually, I get quite blunt. I say, well, your original theories about the language acquisition is wrong. Uh, because the uh, children are speaking a lot earlier than what you're giving them credit for, and uh, and uh, they're speaking in reverse um, first. As far as far as uh, the you know, uh, suggestion or imagination, look, I've done many many tests where we've run tapes in reverse, and everyone has heard the same phrase at exactly the same time. Um, if this was just auto suggestion or trick, you couldn't do that. You couldn't have that commonality of observation. Right, right. right. So, so, have you found that by actually demonstrating the reversals in a context, you've been able to dismiss the the concerns of the so-called skeptic? Oh, absolutely. Here, let's, let's, let's play you a couple without telling you what they say. Okay. And All right. If it, you, we've only got a couple of minutes before break, but go ahead, do one. Okay, I'll just pick up one. Okay, and this is right, Bob good. Dole in '96 resigning from the Senate. It lays claim to you. Your obligation is to bring to it the gifts you can of labor and honesty, and then to depart with grace. Okay, listen carefully. What's he saying backwards? I'll play it twice. It's an honor. It's an honor. Okay, that's pretty clear. I think you would agree. What did you? Hear? Yeah, it's an honor. Absolutely. Yeah, it's an honor. Yeah. yeah. Now that is Bob Dole resigning from the Senate. Is that correct? Correct. In '96 to run against Bill Clinton, he was actually the Republican nominee in '96. Right. So he's expressing he's being very genuine and congruent. It was an honor to serve in the Senate, and that's what he's feeling. And so he's 
unconscious mind or his right brain hemisphere alters the speech just subtly to allow that backwards phrase to appear. Now, don't you find that the more emotion there is in yeah. the statement that's being made, the yeah. greater likelihood we have a meaningful um, yeah. reversal? Yeah, oh, yeah, most definitely. In point of reverse speech is very predictable, predictable in that way. You can almost certainly guarantee where you've got high emotion or high rapport, you'll have a very high number of reversals, and uh, that's because the right brain hemisphere is strongly engaged at that point in time. Whereas if someone is reading a speech or there's no emotion, you'll get very few reversals because there's not much right brain activity engaged in the conversation. All right. Okay, when we come back from the break, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Not all reversals are congruent or complementary. No. Some of them tell on no. you. Uh, and so, some reversals say things that you certainly would never want to say, in a way that people heard you say it. I guess that's the best way right. for me to say it. When we come back from break, I'm going to ask you about some of that and and who's using it and why. We're speaking with David Oates about reverse speech. To learn more about our guest, visit his website at reversespeech.com. Okay, we have a video for you today, if you're in the chat room, of backwards speech in children. So remember to join Ravinder in the chat room. If you're listening on the dial, again, remember you can check the chat room out when you're next in front of your computer by going to provocativeenlightenment.com forward slash chat. Do stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment with Elton Taylor. Do you feel like you've become lost in the funhouse, only seeing the reflection of yourself, past, future, and present, but unable to find the real you? I invite you to step through the doorway and onto a pathway leading to understanding of your mind, your choices, and the influences that surround you. Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestselling book, Choices and Illusions. Now expanded, updated, and revised, it will provide you with real-life examples of how you can break free of your current perceptions and begin your journey to How High Is Up. Get your copy today from all bookstores or online from Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Alvin Taylor.
And welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're chatting with David Oates about reverse speech in his latest book, A New Theory About Language. Now we ask our guests for their favorite music, music that has some genuine significance to them. Music psychology is a new field of research with practical relevance in many areas, including investigations in human aptitude, skill, intelligence, creativity, personality, and social behavior. So we can get a fair amount of self-disclosure when we learn someone's favorite music. All right, we just played some of Pink Floyd coming back to life. So please tell us, why is this music important to you, David, and how does it instruct us about who you are? Oh, dear, boy, I was listening to that music and my emotions were stirred. It reminds me of my 30-long-year journey with reverse speech, which many times have been very lonely and... Uh, and uh, and not emotionally enlightening, shall we say? Many many times of being in the depths of despair and having this incredible technology and wanting to shout it to the world. So uh, yes, so that uh, that song really uh, really really touches my heart. As uh, some of the some of the lonely times involved in research. Uh. I can relate to that, my friend. I can relate to that. All right, before the break, we were discussing the fact that not all reversals are congruent. They're not all flattering, you know. We can have someone say, you know, something that on the surface is flattering and the underneath they're actually, well, um, they're stating things that are much less flattering. Give us an example or two of that, will you? Oh, of something less flattering. Well, I, I, I actually picked a couple of direct lies, but let me let me play these, and I'll look for something that's less flattering. Um, uh, the first one I want to play is uh, is uh, Scott Peterson, who's currently sitting on death row in California, right. and he's being asked, "Did you murder your wife?" So, so here's the forwards. Did you murder your wife? No, no, I did not. Okay, so he's obviously denying it. No, no, I did not. And we right. run it in reverse, and he says, Neck, I hit hard. Neck, I hit hard. And again. Neck, I hit hard. And so as he's denying the crime scene, in his mind, he's actually flashing back to how he actually did it. And when they found uh, his wife's body, uh, she'd been decapitated. And so... Uh, we're actually seeing in his reversals, he's contradicting his forward statements and telling us the truth as to actually what happened. Does, does that make sense? I... Absolutely, totally. And, and Okay, so now here we have the truth, kind of like uh, the lie detection exam where he says no and he's calling himself a liar. 
and and Scott uh-huh. Peterson. I did her, you know. Obviously, he some animus in that reversal directed toward his um, deceased wife. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I mean, you get that in the language. But now there's also the collateral aspect that you know it's uh, uh, you're asking the suspect. Uh, what did you do after you left work? And he says, I, you know, I went to the grocery, I stopped at the grocery store, and then I went home. And the reversal says, uh, loaf of bread, gallon of milk, or something. Um, how often do you run into that where you have this collateral data that is is uh, filling in the blanks for you, if you will, uh, when oh, it comes giving to us, giving us extra, giving us extra information. You, right. Is what you're asking. Right. Ah, yeah, yeah, we call them expansive reversals. They actually happen quite often. Um, let me see if I can pull one up real quick. Um, uh, and it's where the reversal will uh, will uh, will give us extra information over what's been spoken forward. And uh, here is a classic one. This is uh, from Sandra Bernhardt, who's on the video of Madonna, Truth or Dare. And she's talking about how she went to visit some friends. Oh, baby! Ow! This is hard before I left the other night. Oh, really? You know, I'm going to try it out. I don't know. Are you still sleeping with her? Back where she says, they pulled out the grass. They pulled out the grass. They pulled out the grass. So, she saw her friends. They visited, and what did they do? They pulled out the grass or mar- or, mar- or marijuana. So, so this is where the reversal will give us extra information about what was happening. Does that make sense? Absolutely, totally. Very common. So what we Very have is we... I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead, David. Oh, no, that's okay. No, I was just going to move on to another example. But, but no, you go ahead. Well, yeah. if you have another one, go ahead. Play another example. Oh, well... I was going to play you a classic one of an incongruent reverse one. This is actually on a hypnosis tape for weight for weight loss. Listen to this. When your conscious or subconscious mind notices this, then either one will begin to focus on the thoughts and or the feelings. No, it's the self-hypnosis weight loss tape. Right. And he says okay. in reverse, the loss of love with the evil. The loss of love with the evil. And again, so that is a contradictory message to what is going forward. And so the unconscious <laughs> mind is actually going to hear that incongruent reversal and negate what is saying forward. So it's counter counterproductive. Does, does, so, does you know now, sense? yeah, I do. And uh, I guess uh, I'm flooded with questions, I guess, where I am right now. Uh, <laughs> I remember when Madonna released uh, a musical piece uh, loaded with backmasked messages. Oh yeah, and and yeah. I did you know several radio interviews with uh, stations on that. It was easy to isolate. Eventually, her people came out and admitted that they did it intentionally. So there is right. the intentional backmasking yes. that goes on in some music, but there's also this. Uh, reverse speech backmasking. So now here you've got somebody has purchased right. a weight loss tape, and whoever the hypnotist is, the hypnotist is allegedly 
guiding them into a state where through post-hypnotic suggestions and whatnot, um, they will be giving the cues to lose weight. While at the same time, he's introducing them to the devil. When, exactly when right. you when you come across these kinds of things, David, uh, does it make you suspicious of everything that you might play in the background? Oh yes, it certainly does. It certainly does. Yeah, look, I've got a couple of motivational speakers who are clients of mine, and uh, and uh, they um, <clears throat> they will send me their speeches to analyze just to make sure they're being congruent because uh, they don't want to be putting out contradictory messages. So. Uh, uh, it 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 happens very very frequently, and uh, uh, the the human mind is such a complex thing, and uh, we have so many different thoughts firing off. Some contradictory, some supportive, some dreaming about the dinner you've got cooking in the oven at home, you know, and uh, right. and, and and all of those have the potential to come out in reverse speech. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about applications for a minute. Obviously, if you were in law enforcement, you would want to be able to use this technology. Uh, It would make no sense whatsoever to take a statement from someone and not play it in reverse because you may get the expansive information uh, that, Mm -hmm. you know, what you're looking for when you take a statement is the ability to verify it or falsify it. Because if you can falsify someone's statement, well, now you've got your first pry bar on a confession, right? So Absolutely. Yep. how many law enforcement agencies have you been able to get this into? Well, very few, unfortunately. Um, I did a fair bit of work for the uh, Dallas police when I lived in Dallas in the early 90s. I worked uh, with them on about a dozen cases, and uh, reverse speech was very, very revealing. Um, and I remember one case that revealed the, uh, where the body was located for a missing person, and that turned out to be accurate. Um, uh, I've done some work for the Australian police, and I, one case I worked on there, reversals uh, uh, pointed to the location of the murder weapon. But these are isolated cases, and, and, and the law enforcement community as a whole has not rallied around reverse speech yet. Um, why that? So I'm not too sure. Because um, um, uh, they, I mean, they use psychics, for example, and I think reverse speech is far more accurate than uh, than uh, than psychics. Uh, sometimes I blame myself. You know, I, I don't. Maybe I haven't done enough work to get the technology out there. Um, um, uh, but uh, obviously, its applications in law enforcement are very, very exciting in the investigative stage. It will certainly tell you whether they've committed the crime. It will tell you what their motive was. It will tell you the names of accomplices in crime. It will tell you where the evidence is hidden that they that the police need. So, so it's, it's a mystery to me why it's not being used more, given the success cases I've had that have also been reported on in the media. You can go to my website and read some newspaper clippings of reporters who've spoken to the police, and they've verified that they've worked with me, and I um, was able to uh, obtain significant information. Well, maybe we've got some of them listening now, and you'll get some more. I, I know, you know, for years I conducted lie detection examinations, and uh, I remember when... Uh, uh, audio stress analysis first came out. It was uh, there was a oh. psychological stress evaluator, 
and uh, Colonel McQuiston, uh, retired uh, from military intelligence, would do these articles in uh, the National Enquirer where he would record the uh, statements of popular people, particularly presidents in their cabinet oh, and so on and so forth. And then he would, uh, in the inquiry, he would show the chart and he would show where deception was indicated. Made a lot of people right. punchy about, you know, what they said and, and how they say it. But uh, where where that's concerned, you know, you don't have something that you can take into a court of law. It's not something that law enforcement not. can put on the witness stand. But it no. does become, like your reverse speech, it becomes a very powerful investigative no. tool. So Absolutely. it would seem to me that some some creative person in law enforcement has an opportunity here to uh, right. glean from you. Now, you, you produce a software program that makes this really pretty easy. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very simple. Tell us about it. Released. Yeah, we just released our latest... Uh, version um, two weeks ago, a uh, brand new updated software. It's a very comprehensive audio software. It's been specifically designed for reverse speech, does forwards, backwards, and variable speeds, and you can prepare transcripts. Go to reversespeechpro.com to get the software. That's reversespeechpro.com. And uh, um, yeah, it's the marvelous software and uh, can be used by anyone who wants to. To give it, give, give it a try. Just want to pick up on one of your statements about law enforcement in court. I don't believe reverse speech should be used in a court of law, but I do believe it should be used in the investigative stage. So well, that's, yeah, I, that's my that's my official position. I, 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 to, I totally con- I totally concur with that. In fact, I question even the use of eyewitness testimony a lot nowadays because. It, it is well. The evidence shows that that may be one of the the least uh, truthful aspects of some of the cases that we've had in the past. So, oh, or the least reliable, I should say, not truthful, but reliable. Okay, uh, David, when you talk about this software, now I haven't tried the new one, but I have to let everybody know that I I do have the forerunner to it. And uh, there was a time that uh, we were conducting investigations, some of my uh, uh, colleagues, uh, uh, looking at Alzheimer's and uh, dementia patients. Uh, because, yeah. as you know, when, when, they, uh, when they go through this progressive degeneration that, that so much re- you know, resembles just a complete regression of age... We theorize there's a possibility that perhaps in this babbling stage, they've reverted to the earliest stage of speech acquisition, and we might find something meaningful. So you were good enough to see that all of the the, the team, every member of the team, uh, uh, which was really led by uh, Dr. John L. uh, Turner, uh, a neurosurgeon in Hilo, Hawaii, that we all got the software, and we were all able to use it relatively easily without any training yeah. whatsoever, yeah. and we did find some meaningful reversals in that. Yeah. But in my conversation yeah. with you last, you indicated you've done research there. Tell us about that. Yes, I have. I uh, did some research with some Alzheimer's patients a few years ago. Actually, I've got those reversals right here. We might be able to play a 
couple of them, and uh, and and they were able to reveal very significant information, even though the patient was not able to communicate it forward. Now I haven't listened to these for a few years. Not too sure how clear this is, but here's one of them, where a patient was talking about pain back backwards. Here's the forward. Okay, difficult to understand forwards, as you can tell. That's what she says, stupid pain. Oh, yeah. Really clear. Yeah, very clear. So she's able, so her unconscious is still active. It's just her consciousness deteriorating. And uh, the uh, nursing staff were able to administer her with with uh, pain-relieving med- medication. As a result of this reversal, she wasn't able to verbalise it forwards, but was in reverse. And uh, that application alone is hugely exciting. Imagine using this for working with aged care and, uh, and dementia patients. And uh, they are still active and thinking on the unconscious level. It, it, incredible potential is what you're talking about. I, I think about, you know, children visiting their parents and uh, of course these are adult children and they're you know here's their parent that cared for them loved them uh, kept them warm fed you know put them through school and now they can't even communicate with them and you know one of the reversals we got the the, the patient was cold uh, they wanted a blanket yeah, and, and imagine wrong. imagine how much better you feel as a child if you're able to to cover them up and give them that warmth uh-huh. or see that they got the uh-huh. pain medication. I mean, uh-huh. just an incredible human quality here, uh-huh. not just health care. But, okay, now uh-huh. there's a psychological side to this. Yeah, absolutely. It has its place and... in psychotherapy, but when you jump to psychotherapy, you get into this whole construct of metaphors. Tell us about right. metaphors. Okay, let's get to the, I think, the most exciting part of reverse speech, and that is, is working with the unconscious. And I use reverse speech extensively in therapy. I have a very active practice. When reverse speech is talking about psychological issues and psychological problems, it speaks in metaphor, using pictures and images to describe the issues that it's talking about. might use words like wolf or goddess or lancelot. And I've actually compiled a metaphor dictionary that has over a uh, thousand metaphors um, in the dictionary, uh, which are the common metaphors of reverse speech. Uh, My theory is that the unconscious thinks in metaphor or picture, and if you want to change the unconscious and hence behaviour, then you change the metaphor. And I do this using hypnosis. I've developed a whole uh, therapeutic process around reverse speech using the metaphors I find and uh, hypnosis. Hey, let me, do I have time to play a quick, a quick, a quick Please. one? Please. Y- no? Yes, you do. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's, here's a classic metaphor. Let's uh, run it forward. This is on me. You strike me as a very enthusiastic guy. I mean, certainly the time we've been together and you've got all full of ideas. Um, is this latest? Is this just a latest idea? Is it just all thrust and barble or do you really want to get out? And here I say, see the wolf fallen in the lake. See the wolf fallen in the lake. See the wolf fallen in the lake. Okay, so what that tells me, wolf is a common metaphor for motivation and drive. A lake is a metaphor for emotions. And so this 
I'm talking to a client who's just suffered from a nervous nervous breakdown. So his emotion, so he's unable to motivate himself because he's drowning in his own emotions. So what I will do with this client under hypnosis is have him see a wolf in the lake and then take the wolf out of the lake. And as we change that picture in the unconscious, we are also changing the behavior that that metaphor is creating. Does that make sense? Very much so. It's very, very interesting. You cured yourself of a stutter, a speech problem. Did yes, you I use did. reverse speech for that? Uh, yes, I used a combination of reverse speech and sheer willpower. Um, I found what the metaphor was that was creating my stutter. And in my case, it was a broken sword. Uh, sword is the metaphor for uh, communication. And so I did a metal walk on myself where I repaired the broken sword. And that then led me into starting to understand my stutter more and where it occurred. And I actually learned eventually to become very strong. If I start strong and stay strong and remain strong or hold my sword high in the air with pride, then I won't stutter, if that makes sense. It does. It it does. It very much does. Uh, David, we only have about a minute left. I want everybody to know how they can reach out to you, how they can learn more because there is so much more that you have to share. And there are so many applications for this that we can use on ourselves. So please, 30 seconds or so, tell us, tell our audience how they can contact you. Okay. Well, I have a United States number, and that number is 503-568-7077. That's 503-568-7077. Or go to the website, reversespeech.com. There's over 20,000 examples of reversals on that website. So you can pour through that for days and days and days and still not get to the end of it. So uh, it's a very amazing technology, and uh, we're looking for people to get involved. Give the website where they can get the, uh, well, or can they get the, your software at reversespeech.com? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that website is Reverse Speech Pro, R-E-V-E-R-S-E, Speech Pro, P-R-O.com. You're going to have to get me that, David. I I need to see the new update. I want to thank you, sir, for your willingness to share everything with us and come on the show. We're going to have to have you back. There's too much to talk about. We've come to the end of another episode of Provocative Enlightenment. I want to thank our producer, Eric Ryder, and all of you out there for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed our show and will join us again next week, same time and same place. And do tell your friends. Let's have them join us as well. Okay, until next time, wherever you are in the world, remember, believing in yourself always matters. Provocative Enlightenment has been brought to you by Progressive Awareness Research and other sponsors. Provocative Enlightenment is a syndicated show and appears on other networks. For a schedule of showtimes, visit ProvocativeEnlightenment.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, write to Eldon at eldentaylor.com.